Absalom's world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men who bring order to the chaos. Welcome to Hardcasters. Here I am, I'm Dominic Diplom, at your service, and over there, sat in his little pit of filth, is Dick Vazage. Hello, Dick. Hello, no one's service. I ain't serving to no one. <laughs> um, so, we've got really, in, in the episodes we've done so far, we've done one stone-cold classic, I think. I mean, Commando is a high point in action cinema. Not to say that we don't have great affection for others, um, but that's like in its league of its own. And for me, I think tonight's film is a close second. I think that if you were to say to me, what are the classic, absurd 80s action movies? Not the ones that have kind of craft and a sense of refinement like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. You know, those are good films and they're good films regardless of their era. But the proper over-the-top 80s uh, uh, nonsense movies, the ones that are just incredibly good fun, um, for me, is Commando and then Cobra. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. These are the kind of movies that when people are spoofing 80s action movies, they go to these. And for me, I think C- Cobra is almost, it's impossible to parody because every action movie cliche is in this movie. Everything you'd want to make fun of, they've done it, but done it, Seriously, I generally believe if you took this film, wiped it from people's memory, and then released it today, people would assume it's one of the best parodies ever because it's so absurd and bizarre and got some really interesting and bold choices um, that I can't wait to tuck into like it's a giant sausage. Yeah, it is like an eighties roast dinner, isn't it? It's like a, it's kind of, yeah. it's got all the ingredients of like a shit. 80s Sunday roast. And in the centrepiece, splayed with legs apart and an arse for the stuffing, is the Stallone meat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 ne- never having a roast dinner again. Um, <laughs> um, so when I re- watch this again, I've not watched it for a long time, but I, like I said, I've got a fondness for it. <clears throat> and I always, the cover is brilliant. The cover is, is kind of like a comic book-esque cover like commander it looks a bit too ridiculous yeah and in my head for some reason i always thought it was a slightly serious stallone film like a bit of a kind of gritty action film Mm. i don't know where i got that from because it ain't anything like that when i watched it again i'm like this isn't gritty at all this is ridiculous that utterly ridiculous film i think it's a film that slipped me by as a kid and i think i think as a child i love schwarzenegger i didn't really get stallone i thought that I think possibly First Blood was a little bit too intense for me and I wasn't as a kid that interested in the Rocky movies and I kind of let this pass me by and I didn't see Cobra probably until I was in my early 20s or mid-20s and I remember seeing it and thinking, yeah, this isn't my kind of 80s action movie and I don't know why, I had that in my head like it was a bit of a, a bit of a, 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 it didn't follow through on its promise and then I was going through a few years ago only about five or six years ago, uh, a kind of uh, 80s action movie binge. Um, I had a kind of like craving for them. 
and was going through and was... I had these kind of genre cravings, post-apocalyptic, science fiction, fantasy, space opera, and I really, really wanted to see as much kind of action movies from this period as I could. And um, But what I tend to do is watch some of the classics and then I want to try and find stuff I haven't seen before and discover new things. And I thought, oh, you know, Cobra sat there. I don't really remember that much about it. I don't think I gave it a fair shout and watched it back. And I loved it. And I loved it because it is full of action and it is... Um, absurd and it is ridiculous and it um i can't really think why it's I, i've come to it so late because it should have been up there I, I i love it to bits for all of its choices so let's dive straight in i mean it, the, the plot is essentially there's an axe wielding cult in yeah i mean essentially it's it starts off with a very gruff very gruff stallone voiceover like He's almost. He's, he feels like he's kind of knocking one out while he's he's talking. It feels like he's kind of masturbating as he's talking because it's so gruff. Yeah. And essentially, it paints a picture of a very kind of almost post-apocalyptic sound in America, where it's he's mm. reeling off crime statistics and how violent mm. violent um, crime in, a, in in America is at the time. <clears throat> so, like every two seconds, there's a rape. Every four seconds, there's a a minotaur getting murdered, things like that. Um, yeah. And it feels very, very kind of, uh, you know, very kind of like serious and gritty. That's probably what the, the I always think that's why, we, why it was so gritty, but it's not. Mm. And then it cuts to, yeah, we see the kind of said axe kind of killers. It's all shot on a red background and there's kind of an axe murderer called... Um, the 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 night slasher. That's him. The night slasher. So it shows these kind of people kind of banging axes together in like an empty warehouse. Um, but then it cuts to kind of um, you know the, um, a shopping kind of a supermarket, and it's set at Christmas, which I never realised before because I think mm. it's in California, and obviously there's no snow. There's lots of Christmas stuff everywhere, and it, it kind of that kind of lethal weapon dive when it's. Is a Christmas undertone too, which I never realised before. It's it's actually a Christmas film. Wasn't it the fact that that Stallone wears a Santa's hat throughout the whole film? Wasn't that not a clue for you? And he rides a reindeer. Yeah, yeah. So I knew there was something. I knew there was something. Um, <laughs> Just as we get to this scene, I, I think, and I'm going to come back to this. I think that voiceover is actually really, really important because it's essentially justifying Stallone's, or, or, or sorry, Marion Cabretti's, aka Cobra's approach to crime fighting in this um and there's something about 80s kind of movies and and especially like this where it's very much a conservative approach to crime in that crime is evil and it has to be getting gotten rid of and to do that you shoot it and it goes away um that i think's kind of interesting to delve into and i'll come back to that in a bit but i think that that voiceover is really important not as a as something that sounds kind of badass or cool. It's actually a degree of world building. And I'll come back to why I think that's important. But this opening siege, I mean, it's everything you you want. And it's what I like. I'll be honest with you. When we sort of talked about doing this podcast and I said about doing the Justice 101 manual, um, it's because of Cobra. Because if you watch the trailer for Cobra, it's kind of like just... Scene after scene of someone completely dismissing all standard police procedure. I don't think he does anything even remotely close to police work in this. He he feels like I mean it it, it goes from his you know anything standard issue he goes completely against. So 
he basically starts off with it with a siege in the supermarket, and all the police are there behind the lines, SWAT's there, and he turns up in a kind of ridiculous souped-up muscle car, drives through the cordon that's been set up to keep people safe, mm. nearly knocks about six people over, and gets out, and it's that classic boot on the floor shot when you kind of the boot stomps yeah. on the floor. Um, and what he's got a per- he's got a personalized license plate, hasn't he? He has, which is I think it's awesome something. AWSM or something. Yeah, it's, if I was one of his colleagues, I'd be like, oh, fuck off, here he is. Mm. His number plate. But then he gets out of the car, and what gets me about this whole film, and again, any form of like health and safety or anything like that goes out the window, because he carries a, a clearly like, you know, specially made firearm that he's kind of had, mm. you know, it's kind of embossed on the handle. But where does he keep this, the firearm? So well, I, I would say you'd have like a a kind of shoulder holster, or maybe a hip holster if you want to go a bit western. Maybe in in sort of around the back, so it's concealed. Possibly in a in a protected kind of plastic pelly case, so he can you know it's kept in the boot, so it's safe, not going to go off accidentally. I imagine that that Marion Cabretti, if he's an effective policeman, takes firearm safety very seriously. Where remind me where he does keep it? Down the front of his trousers, by his knob. Oh, pointed at his cock. Right, I got you. Right, okay. Literally, yes. Yeah. He, he shoves it down the front of his trousers and it dangles out the top of his jeans. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just like, if any, no one says to him, like, Marion, that's that's going to shoot your cock off. Be careful yeah. with that. You are going to blow your bell end in two. But he, yeah, it, that makes ridiculous. And all through the film, he walks around with it just stuck hanging out the front of his trousers. He's gone, yeah. by the way. He's gone. <laughs> Um, what he can't do is cock because his cock's just a mess after all the th- four or five times he's accidentally shot it. I mean it it looks like a it looks like a dropped pizza down there. And also when he puts it, but he, he uses it and then puts it back down his trousers. That gun barrel is going to be hot. He has no feeling down there. It's numb. Um, and you know he's he's kind of got tight blue denim jeans, a, a giant bulbous kind of black jacket, black gloves, aviators. Is he chewing a matchstick at this point? I think he's chewing a matchstick. I think he's chewing it off with the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's literally... If I sat down and someone said, draw me an 80s cop, a ridiculous 80s cop, I would, I would draw... The only thing he's missing is a moustache, I think. Yeah. And that would set it off. Um, now, what I also like about this is that, um, you know, we've seen this kind of siege thing very far. It's not too different to Dark Angel. You know, the, the thugs are dirty trench coat wearing, wired hopped up kind of nut jobs mm. um you know there's innocence at risk and what i like about this is that stallone goes in people are very nervous about him going in because obviously he's a psychopath and just little things like you know, if you're a police officer i'm sure there's protocol to follow i don't think protocol is just walking in with your gun drawn mm. helping yourself to alcohol <laughs> yeah. out out the fridge and it's not a case of like there's there's drinking while on active duty there's drinking while in the midst of a siege. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, come on. I, I think that's a fireable offence right there. Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, the, the, beyond that, there's a little bit of conversation, but he essentially ends up just shooting the shit out of people, doesn't he? Do you think as well, when he walked into the supermarket, all the kind of seniors, because there's a few kind of trench cut wearing bureaucratic-looking cops, and he walks past them, or do you think they just go, does he still work for the police? I thought we got yeah. rid of him ages ago because he kept shooting his cock off. 
<laughs> we had him in an HR meeting and he shot his ball, one of his balls off in the meeting. Yeah. It just went off. Um, <laughs> and someone's like, Len, he's gone into the supermarket and like, oh, gee, no, we, just work for, <laughs> we just work for the so <laughs> Is he helping himself to the booze? He's unpacked a barbecue. He's roasting some pork chops. <laughs> got his feet up on a sun lounger. He's got a disco you know, light on. How's he brought that in the supermarket? <laughs> he's, he's brought that along. Um, but what beer is he drinking? Can you remember? Because it's it's quite blatantly obvious in the film. Uh, see, I, 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 I'm going to go. I'm going to as a. It's been a while since I've seen that. I, I can't remember in that detail. But I'm going to say cause. It is cause. Yeah, and it. Ah, look at that. He's leant against the fridge. And he drinks it with his kind of... It looks like he's got his one of his legs cocked to the fridge. And he's leaning yeah. against the fridge and he looks into the camera. It almost feels like they've chucked a cause advert in the middle of this siege. The way it's yeah. shot. It's almost like if, if he did put his, the can to the camera and went, oh, a nice cold cause, yeah. that would have finished it off. It's, it's, it, and there's and then, a few things like that throughout the film. Just really shit product placement adverts in there. This is where we go into the axe murderer thing. There's the you know the night slasher played by Brian Thompson. We like a bit of Brian who, Thompson, don't we? We do like a bit of Brian Thompson, who um, murders someone and uh, is witnessed doing so by Bridget Nielsen. Now I can't remember the exact sequence of events here, but what we do see is some very odd editing choices. In that we start to get some kind of shots of uh, of Los Angeles, like passing by some street shots, some atmosphere, and every now and again, and like this eighties music playing, every now and again we get a shot of a fucking robot, like just flash up on screen, and then it's streets, and then it's you know like a fifties retro science fiction robot, <coughs> and then we get Bridget Nielsen, and it this goes on for quite some time, and before you realise that Bridget Nielsen is doing kind of like some kind of model photo shooting. But she's do the the theme of the Photoshop is her hanging out with a bunch of metal Mickey looking motherfuckers, um, and it's... in the mid eighties that Stallone had a thing in his contract around eighty five to eighty eight that he says right two things I want in the film I want Bridget Nielsen and I want a robot so Rocky Four yeah. Paulie's robot which just yeah. it has no bearing on the plot whatsoever it's just a robot that, mm. uh, that um, Paulie falls in love with and then yeah just a shot of Bridget Nielsen around some weird-looking robots. I don't know. Maybe he's got a thing for robots. And so, yeah, there's this bizarre photo shoot montage. It goes on forever of Bridget Nielsen hanging out with robots and leaning all over them. Again, doesn't really have any bearing on anything. It's, you know, rather than introduce her as a character, it introduces her just as someone kind of reclining against C-3PO, which, you know, we all wish we could do at one point. We all wish for that at one point. And so, basically, she's a witness to this murder... She's in jeopardy, and Stallone is going to work his way to her to kind of put her under his careful protection, which will involve um, banging her at some point. But also, do you think when she saw him and he's like, I'm going to protect you, and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you're not, because you're keeping a gun down the front of your trousers. You can't yeah. even look after yourself. Yeah. And if I was the boss, Absolutely. I'd be like, who, who, who's the person we shouldn't send to look after a witness? Yeah, the bloke with a gun down his trousers. There's also this cliche that I love with action films um, is that Stallone is obviously you know in incredibly good shape, and Marion Cabretti isn't it? Marion Cabretti even I think chastises one of the bureaucratic uh, superiors for eating unhealthy at one point, and then goes home and eats cold pizza with a pair of fucking scissors. Like again, a psychopath. Yeah, absolutely. Like. 
how is he maintaining that physique when he's clearly just having pizza at regular irregular times during the week? I mean, that's the only time we ever see him eat. Yeah, it's, it's a very weird... It's almost like we, we get this impression that he's chastised people for eating nuts or sweets or whatever it is. Mm. And he wanders into his apartment and it's a mess. And basically he gets a, a tray of eggs and a pizza out, which he cuts haphazardly with a big pair of scissors. Which looks mm. weird, and then in in the fridge in the egg case. And by the way, you don't keep eggs in the fridge, so mm. just let's lay that to rest now. That's a myth. You shouldn't keep eggs in the fridge. Or guns down the front of your trousers. Or guns down the front of your trousers. But in it reveals that when he gets his egg case out, he's not got eggs in there. He's got a gun cleaning kit. So not only does he just stick guns down his trousers, he keeps gun parts in the fridge. The man's a loony. He's just, he's mad. Where does he keep his hoover? In the oven? What's wrong with him? I reckon he does. And I, I imagine him, I imagine him, like, wrapping Christmas presents using a knife and fork to cut through the paper. I think he's just taken one too many hits to the head and balls, and he's just spiralling out of reality. Do you think I he think... Does, does a Homer Simpson, when he turns the lights off at night, he just shoots the light switch? Yeah, I think so. And I think he just, like, instead of going to bed, he just sits in a bath... Um, an empty bath and just cries, yeah, and and wails and screams. Yeah, I think you're right. I imagine like he's got an elderly neighbour who comes along and feels so sorry for him. She just pokes like healthy food through the letterbox <laughs> and little positive notes. You know, if we talk about this in the broader strokes, really, I mean, there's there's it, it doesn't feel like it's really slipping into gear. I mean, there's a fight outside his flat against like a neon sign, which is kind of a bit lurid and, and kind of fun. But generally speaking, this film doesn't kick in um, until we have the first big car chase, mm-hmm. um, which is quite kind of well done and exciting. The, you know, and then it, it, it takes us into this sequence where he's obviously on the road with Bridget Nielsen. He's decided that, you know, again, sticking to kind of police procedure and utilising standard issue equipment, he's got some, I think it's a, like an Eastern European submachine gun. Um, with a giant laser sight, hand grenades. Um, I mean, this guy's, you know, he commandos up, and he's a, supposed to be an L.A. detective. And, you know, they're driving down the highway, he's in the back just shooting cars, and so they explode and being attacked by bikers, and it's all great action stuff. Doesn't he drive again, it is... in reverse as well? Doesn't he drive backwards along this busy highway? Yes. He literally puts in reverse, drives backwards, and even the kind of... You know the trench coat suited shits. Just go look at him and go. He's mad. He's mad. Yeah. And they're like even the even the scary axe wielding thugs. Like this bloke's mental. He's he's not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least we we got some semblance of rules and organisation here. Uh, uh, Cabretti and Ingrid um, head out to a kind of little CD motel thing. Um, th- thankfully, we we we're not subjected to a sex scene. I think. Um, you know, I, I don't like to, to shame or anything, but I don't want to see Stallone naked that often. No. You know? No, it's kind of um, like just a lot of sausage meat, really, isn't yeah. it? That's what he looks like. It's like a like a, a, a pig's trotter um, rutting away <laughs> in a bunch of sheets. And um, as well, if he was doing that with you know, Bridget Nielsen, it, it, again, he'd probably have his gun, like, you know, kind of tucked in there as well. So that's going to go off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he'd, he'd, <laughs> I'm sure there'd be some 
lower body trauma as a result of uh, of a of a premature um, discharge of his firearm. Um, and then they're attacked, though, in this kind of ghost town village thing. Um, uh, I think premature discharge of a firearm is a better title for Cobra. <laughs> that was its German title. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> premature discharge. Um, yeah, and I mean, the shootout, there's a bike gang that attacks them. And the shootout's pretty good. It's a proper, it's almost like an old Western siege. You know, lots of breaking windows and firing through. And the odd grenade going here and there, an explosion. And then, sticking with going from plot to plot, we 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 fast forward to the finale where he's fighting Brian Thompson in an industrial steel mill that looks like hell on earth. Yeah, back to the steel mill. It's the eighties. So yeah, back to the old steel mill again. There it is. Um, it's no wonder they ended up getting all close because it's just fucking muscle men fighting in there every time and shooting each other. Bloody weak. But it's a great. Um, you know, epic finale, lots of very colourful lighting and they're fighting over, you know, what looks like hot lava and stuff. I mean, it's bonkers. It looks like a Mortal Kombat level. Yeah. Um, but it, and literally, and, it, you know, it ends he, with a Mortal Kombat death, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hanging him up on a meat hook. Which keeps swinging um, past as well. The meat hook keeps swinging past and on the scene. Yeah. And it's foreshadowing, you're like, in a minute, if they're not careful, someone's going to get on that meat hook. And you're like, oh. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't think there's a tremendous. Oh, I mean, it ends with um with Cobra, uh, sorry, Marion Cabra. The he's not Cobra, is he? Uh, punching out one of his superiors. Is that right? The superior now suddenly loves him. The superior who's kind of throughout. He's the the kind of conservative voice of of you know. He's kind of trench coat, mm. big glasses, looks like a bit of a you know a, a job's worth. And he kind of always says, mm. like, you know, follow the rules, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, he, and all of a sudden he, he loves Cobra, and Cobra just shakes his hand and then twats him. And you think, now, surely at this point someone's got to fire him, right? That's it, he's done. Um, but uh, but apparently, well, we don't know. We never saw the sequel. Um, so, I mean, I don't think there's much else, really, to talk about, other than it's just, you know, it, it, it's it, what it... What it lacks in kind of action in the in the first act, it makes up for in bizarre um, f- photography montages, yep. and then it goes into a series of chases and a lovely finale. And I, but I think it's just every kind of beat you want from an action cop movie. Mm. Um, I think what's interesting as well is uh, this is not new news, so I, I'm not sort of saying this as if I've I'm the only person that knows this, but obviously. Um, this was originally, or, or or in its birth, was originally Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. So Beverly Hills Cop was really written for Stallone. During the development of it, you know, he wanted to take it in a different direction due to the rights passing or or like a first look deal falling apart. Stallone went away and developed his own cop film, whereas Beverly Hills Cop went to Eddie Murphy and had a kind of drastic kind of tonal reshuffle. Mm-hmm. But what I find interesting about these films, so as someone, as I've said, who is a is a, a coward and a pacifist, and he's not um, in any way, shape, or form like the the kind of characters we talk about, um, I've always, especially in the last kind of ten years, like been re-examining why is someone like me l- is fascinated by these films, um, like why do I like watching people who are clearly awful human beings? Like why is it I enjoy watching them? dish out uh, completely unjustifiable violence um, against people. The, the thing that kind of in my head 
flicked that switch and, and made me realise what it was, is that I was watching a Hercules movie, um, purely for research purposes. And uh, it's called Hercules in the Haunted World. It, it's quite good. Uh, it's a uh, Mario Barber film, I recommend it. Um, but what struck me about Hercules is that Hercules is a character, especially in the in the old movies, there is not a problem he can't solve that doesn't involve throwing something. So if there's a boulder in the way, he picks it up, lobs it, job done. If there's a carriage that needs to get somewhere, picks it up, throws it, done. If there's a monster, he either picks the monster up and throws it, or throws something at the monster. The Lou Frigno films, he literally throws a bear into space at one point. Just picks it up, lobs it into the stratosphere. Amazing. Um, and the finale of Hercules in the Haunted World, Hercules does not come up against uh, a monster. He comes up against Christopher Lee, who's a sorcerer. And he literally kills him by picking him up and throwing him in a pit. And I thought, in a world where your one skill, Hercules' one skill is throwing things, and every problem he's got is solved by throwing things, that is a perfect fantasy. It's a perfect empowerment fantasy. And that's when I realised that that's what these films are. These films are fantasy movies. Mm. They create a world where the, the social problems are not complex as they are in real life, mm. they are simply, this is these are the bad guys, shoot it, and badness goes away. Yeah. And so it's a fantasy. It's not attempt to kind of think that's the way it should be. Yeah. It presents a world where all of the significant problems are simple and wouldn't that be easy? Yeah. That's appealing because it would be nice if the world was as simple as things like this suggest. Um, obviously, it's not. So I think that these films operate purely as a as a power fantasy simplifying problems so they can be solved and wouldn't that be wonderful and i think that's why the voiceover is so important because it's not just him being gruff and gritty it's him painting a world that's just full of evil that only he can eat rid of and i think it kind of justifies in that fantasy world how it is but obviously it's not real it's not gritty it doesn't it, it, it's like it's the same as watching Star Wars and watching, you know, uh, the Force solve things. You know, um, Stallone is Luke Skywalker. His branded Cobra pistols are his lightsaber, and his absolute disrespect for any kind of rules, law, or or morality or sanity is his Force, and it is with him always. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that ties uh, into the tagline as well, yeah. doesn't it? Because the tagline for the film is... Crime is a disease, is a disease and he's, he's the, the cure. He's the cure. So it's almost like, actually, there's he's the only one that could stop this crime happening. Um, <clears> and he's the, only, <throat> he's the only person that can do <clears throat> it. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. It is, it's very childlike in its simplicity. And I think that's why it probably appealed to us when we were kind of 12, 13, because it's like it's that video game psychology yeah. isn't it? where you play a video game you're player one who's got to just side scroll through the streets smash up a load of bad guys and then get to the end of the level it's not you know why are you why are you beating these guys up you don't have to think about it you just need to get through that level to get it and it's the same sort of mentality isn't it it's very very black and yeah, white yeah absolutely um and i think a more appropriate tagline though would be um aggressive insanity is the disease and he is patient zero and is in desperate need of medical attention. Yeah. Um, 
fact of the week, as as hopefully it'll become known as with a little jingle and a puff of smoke. Um, so essentially, obviously, it's very eighties, very very eighties film. Yeah. In in all its kind of you know with with the kind of robots and whatnot. So what I found out this week, only this week, mm. was um, another favorite film of the eighties for me was Transformers the movie, which is you know. Um, Yes. Beautiful work of art. And the chap who did a lot of songs for that, Stan Bush, he did Dare and The Touch, um, mm-hmm. which are two, obviously, stone-cold classics. But apparently... The Absolutely. Touch, the Touch, the Stan Bush, uh, beautiful, you know, his his um, Ninth Symphony, mm. was actually written for Cobra. It was supposed to be the theme tune for Cobra. So when he's driving yeah. through in his big souped-up... Badass vehicle. I think that was meant to start playing as he was driving through. So yeah, it wasn't meant for Optimus Prime. It was meant for Marion Cobretti. I will say that I think had it just been on the radio in his car, it would have been a waste of a song. I think you, the way it's using Transformers movies better. And I want to see a film where the streets of LA are policed by a, a man, mentally unstable Optimus Prime. Beautiful. I thought you were going to say Ooh. I want to see a film where Stallone fights Megatron. Well, that as well. And Prime, you know, he does things like, you know, he's he's, con- he's always chewing a whole chorizo sausage and he eats tacos with a shovel. Um, so, um, OK, so last week we looked at Assault on Devil's Island um, and we successfully got the keywords terrible plan, kebab man <laughs> and coconut crunch added. Um, we then... We then went on and added as a secondary thing the keywords um, naked shoehorn and rocket Maori. Um, now, unfortunately, the, the the last two I didn't quite add on the day, so they've only recently gone in, so they are not been approved yet. They're pending. Um, now, having just edited our, our last podcast, um, can you remember what we meant by naked shoehorn? <laughs> When you said it, I was like, I don't remember saying that. Um, naked shoehorn. I can't. Yeah. No, is it Hulk Hogan's face or something? I can't remember. <laughs> um, we just basically, I remember saying that I, I, what I want to happen is for us to be putting keywords in so bizarre that the following week we can't remember why we did it. <laughs> um, so that was a success. Yes. Um, well done, Oz. It, it, was, it was essentially... Uh, shoehorn nudity um but that just came to me as naked shoehorn so i thought screw it we'll put it in um but yeah so one can only hope we can have that success this week so the keywords for um uh cobra i mean i'm scrolling down and immediately we've got pizza mm. uh society is in there um human monster disturbed individual i can only assume they're talking about uh cobra pedophile I don't remember a paedophile being in it. I don't remember a paedophile. Kicked in the stomach, karate kick, murder spree, supermarket. There's nothing really that exciting. Cop on the edge. I think actually the paedophile thing, I think we they list a series of crimes by the Night Slasher about that he's mm. done. I think right. it was, he talks about killing or murdering minors or something in there. So that's probably oh, okay. yeah, it's only a, a brief reference. Yeah. I think. Uh, police brutality. Which I think is one of the most accurate ones there, as an understatement. Ski mask, unsubtitled foreign language, passionate kiss, fire explosion, burn to death, um, megalomaniac. It's a good one. 
Nothing particularly. Cause beer. Um, I've got a very not obscure one because I think there's a meme about it, as is is it want, and I bet it's Mm -hmm. not on there. So when he goes to help, he goes to kind of take Bridget Nielsen out of the city, and they go. I, I think they go upstate in California. Yeah, they stop at a little kind of roadside bar and get the cores in. You know, there's lots of cores again yep. consumed. And then because he's a funny fellow, he has a bit of a jape with Bridget Nielsen and there's a giant foam burger on the bar and he picks it up and kind of yep. goes with it and then puts it back <laughs> on the bar. So I think giant, giant burger should be on there. Let's go with that. I think um, we've got to mention the robot models. Um, robot models, there you go, done. <laughs> I'm going to put robot supermodel. So what I like about this is that when I when I click on the, the gaps in it now, it gives me some of my last entries. Right. So we have a choice. If we want to re-enter any of the choice, we can add in as number three, coconut crunch, sex list, or berry face. If we want. Um... <laughs> Beautiful. It's our greatest um, hits. So hang on. How about... Let me just see if this, this works. As a... I've put in as the third one, and you're welcome to veto this, castration risk. Oh, I, I was going to say we need to put the the, the the gun down the down the front of the knob. Do we need to put that yeah. in somewhere? So yeah, absolutely, that's in there. I love the way that underneath the first thing it says like if it doesn't immediately recognise it as an existing keyword, it says you can tick here to provide an explanation to assist in processing this submission. We got the word sexualist in there without any explanation. There's no checking. Um, There's no checking. Done. Good news and bad news, Dick. Um, I think over the past few weeks, it's been very clear that our action film title generator has been smoking at the gears and struggling a bit. So this week, we I've taken her offline. And the good news is that I'm not retiring her. Um, she's currently going through a major revamp, um, and she'll be back next time with the ability to offer us a greater range of titles. Um, I'm, I'm tinkering as um, as we speak. So what that means is this week we are we have a slightly different approach. And this is one that um, when we mentioned we were doing Cobra, um, Dick dangled a carrot in front of me that I, I could not resist um, Dick uh, trying to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I'll, I'll hand you over to my trusted colleague, Dick, um, to explain what it is we're going to be doing and pitching to you today. Uh, over to you, Dick. Thank you. So, in, in, in bit of a you know dick dangling for you here. So, <laughs> journey with me now back to the eighties, back to Mister Time, back to the eighties, through the neon fog of the eighties. Now, it's a very different cinematic world. It was very much led by the stars of the day, so Schwarzenegger, Stallone, etc. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. when. Uh, kind of anything, not quite comic booky, but usually like linked to a toy line came out. It was a big cinematic experience. Transformers the movie, Masters mm. of the Universe. Oh. Um, I remember Masters of the Universe coming out and it was very much led by an action star. They cast an action star in Dolph Lundgren. Mm. So what I thought we could we could explore was 
Think, think about. Let's let's. We're, we're going to stay with Stallone, but we're, we're not going to cast him in an action film. We're back in the eighties. We're going to say right, big selling toy of the year. We're gonna we're gonna cast him and have him as the face of this best selling toy. So he masters the universe has been dumped, and I think Stallone in a shit bobbed blonde wig would look rubbish. Transformers, as great as it would be to get Stallone in a in a big cardboard box red suit, mm. turn into a car would be great. But the technology wasn't there at the time. So, no. what what was the other big selling eighties cartoon slash toy line at the time? So, was it something like Lightning Dogs or something? It wasn't no. Like Lightning Dogs was big in uh, I think big in 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 Portugal. I think if I remember right. Right. <laughs> But yeah. the, the, you know, uh, the English version of that, yeah. and a particularly favourite of mine, Thundercats. So yes. I thought, what if the studios in the time took a different bent and cast alone as the action, the lead star of a Thundercats live action movie verse? I am in. So in. Now I, I I I you you know you you wafted your carrot towards me. I batted it back at you and said, "On I'll do this on a couple of conditions. One, um, I don't want this to be an entirely sex, successful adaptation. Nope. Um, and I want them to suffer some of the same issues that Master University did. So I don't want this to take place on Third Earth. Um, I want this to come to Earth so we can get some shit fish out of water stuff. Um, Absolutely. And have. Stallone in full Lion-O get up wandering around modern day, let's say San Francisco. Um, Beautiful. And, and so I think one of the, one of the the things we're going to have here is a a casting thing, but I, I, let's start with, um, for those people who don't know, you know, Thundercats and I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of this, but if I'm right, something crashed on third earth, and the Thundercats grew up there um, fighting off mutants led by the evil Mumra who wanted something or another. And they were overlooked by the uh, watchful eye of their kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi-esque Jaga, I think his name was. He was was called Jaga. Yeah. Um, So I think what's going to be our conceit for for getting him to Earth? So I think, yeah, we need to set it off. I think... Like Master of the Universe, like Transformers, there was you know we 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 start off on their home planet, so Eternia, Cybertron, and Sundera, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. So I think there's either a, a, a planetary war, mm-hmm. or there is some sort of you know kind of Krypton-like planetary, which I think they do in 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 the cartoon. I think they revisit and basically the planet's going to blow up. Something like there's going to be a planet crashing into Thunder or something. They've got to, they've got to get off and save the race. Yeah. And Lionel, I think in the cartoons it was slightly different to He-Man because Lionel was the leader, but he was a child. Mm. And in transit to Third Earth, he grew up. He kind of became a man. But with mm. what I like about this and what we could play around with is that he was a it was a man, but he still had like a child's mind. He was very much like a childlike leader. Perfect. So, we we could we could keep that. Can't. So yeah. I think they've got to get off. Um, they've got to get off Thundera because um, there's basically a volcano exploding or some shit. So we could just light it in red. We could put a red filter yeah. on the on the camera, 
and save on all sorts of you know CGI bollocks. Yeah, and I think this is all shot in some kind of um, ex cement factory kind of wasteland, industrial wasteland. There's factories in the background, and just one map painting of that of their giant cat base thing. Um, so maybe they found some way they found a portal off of Thundera. Yeah. Jaga's like, you know, here it is, off we go. And as they're about to go through, Mumra and his mutant motherfuckers turn up. Um, and they all get sucked through, but because of the battle they're having, they get thrown through time and space to modern day earth. And um okay, that's our conceit, and they've got to find their way back off the planet somewhere else. Um do you want to go San Francisco Monday eighties San Francisco? I think San Francisco because it's quite you know it's quite iconic, isn't it? So I think we we I think either we do New York or San Francisco. But I like the idea of San Francisco. I quite like that. Um, and I think as um, well there needs to be something yeah. they're, they're both trying to find. So Mumra and his mutants and Lionel and the cats are trying to find um, something. Let's some say sort. let's say um, that the portal is is. Um, to activate the portal, there are two stones. Okay. And when they go through, they, the stones get sucked through their own portal and distributed around San Francisco, and they're both hunting down the stones. And I think... I like the idea it's, a, it's a, a, a spade cat metaphor. They're like, those stones are Lionel's testicles, and they've been <laughs> spayed across San, time and space, and he's got to retrieve them. So yeah. he bang his way through the, the space-time continuum. <laughs> The, the the balls of uh, felinia or something like that. Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> brilliant. Um, brilliant. Yeah, they're, and they're furry. They're like big furry eggs. I like that idea, and they glow on the inside. And yeah. they're like um, the 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 hair stands on end when they glow, and they like make a mogwai sound when they're about to do a pull. Yeah. Maybe they're living creatures. I think. On Earth, there should be someone who's got like a museum of curiosities that she and she can't pay the rent. And this is our human character and the cat testicle ball egg things. Uh, she finds out and that's going to make her museum popular. She's got like a novelty museum. I think sort of like, like a, I think it's an Egyptian museum because it links them with Mumra. And yes. it also is lots of cats and mummies that, you know, kind of mythology. Yeah. She's got like a... She's got like a, a shit antiquities Egyptian museum. It's not doing very well. It's all a bit dusty. Mm. And I think, do you know what we could do? We mm. could even have the mutants are chasing the Thundercats. But you know in films where they change completely change the um, the mythology of one of the main characters? I think mm. Mumra is her... Is, there's a bloke who runs a museum who owns it who's a right shitbag. He's like a, just an angry mm. drunk. And somehow... He, he he stumbles across one of the stones, mm. tries to kind of do something to it, and it turns him into mum. He falls in one of the... He, he activates like an old Egyptian crypt. He falls into it. The crypt yes. closes, rattles about a bit, and then later on he jumps out of Mumra. He tries to get... So there's, there's a mutant. Yes. Mumra's separate, but he's just a, a bloke from Earth who's yes. trapped into this, and he tries getting this power as well. He gets he gets um, possessed by some ancient mummy and becomes the Mumra. Okay, good. So let's let's get to casting. Um, so we know Lionel is Sylvester Stallone. Um, Are we going to literally just pull it from the cartoon? And we're going to have a giant whip, red wig, yeah. just like a big vest. 
and just like just painted orange. He's painted orange. He's got blue kind of tiny pants and boots and that weird kind of vesting that's that is armor, but it's got the the abs cut out of it and yeah. his big yellow furry glove. And then, yeah, like a kind of orange face, but white yellow beard area kind of thing. <laughs> Um, absolutely, he just looks like that. Bit garish colours. So you got whiskers. Uh, you got massive yeah, whiskers. I think we put whiskers yeah. on him. Um, I now I think as a guest appearance, uh, Lord or his name is Jaga, the the ghostly yeah. mentor. I'm going to go with, and I think this is a very good choice. Donald Sutherland. Oh, well, that is good. Yeah, I, like that. I think yeah, he, he pulled that off well. Um, you had a thought for Panthro. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. So <laughs> he's a favourite of mine. Yeah. Uh, I've used him a couple of times on this podcast. Painted blue. Yeah. Bill Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Duke. Big pointy ears. <laughs> yeah. A couple of yeah. nunchucks. Perfect. Yeah. Tiny Spike, pants. Yeah. Spike stuck on him. And uh, yeah, tiny pants. Um, I, I want to go, I'm going to say Chitara. How about Sharon Stone? I was thinking Sharon Stone or Bridget Nielsen. I think, yeah, one of those two would be perfect for Chitara, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's good. Um, and what about, I mean, Tigra is a bit of a, I never particularly liked Tigra. I, I was going to say, like, someone like you could, at the time, you'd want probably like a young up-and-comer at the time, someone like Kevin Bacon or Matt Dillon, someone young and kind of smarmy, wisecracky. Or Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah. like, just have a just a, just a comedy foil. So like Dan yeah. Aykroyd or Chevy Chase or uh, who else? Who, who's a who's an eighties funny man? Uh, Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, I, I'm going to make uh, an executive decision here. I don't want to see Wiley Kit and Wiley Cat. No, God, no. Make them fuck off. Make them fuck off. Okay, so now comes the, the, the casting of Snarf. <laughs> now, oh, now, I'm forward to this one. Now, I've, <laughs> I've got an idea. Now, there's obviously different ways we can approach this. Snarf could yeah. be uh, an animatronic character or like a Yoda-style puppet. Yeah voiced by someone um i think it's too early for a full cgi character to be convincing um and i think obviously as fun as an animated character would be i don't mm. think that would be right so i know how i think it should be done and i'll pitch this to you i think that we should get an actor and mm. they should be made up in a snarf costume and shot Constantly shot from a high angle so they look small and some yeah. blue screen stuff, some very early kind of Hobbit effects. But then every time we cut to a wide shot, they've dressed a child up as Snarf to get the height thing. Um, so whoever's playing him is buried under kind of cute cat makeup and makes lots yeah. of cat noise and stuff. Now, my immediate thought went to Danny DeVito. Yeah. I, I went a bit similar as well. Who did you go with? Joe Pesci. <laughs> oh, no. Pesci's it. Pes, Pesci's it. Yeah. Pesci is snob. Because Pesci's got the high-pitched voice. Yeah. I like that. But I, I think possibly then DeVito could be one of the mutants. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, we've got oh, Joe Pesci in heavy makeup in close-ups. 
but a child in a in a Joe Pesci snarf mask for the wide shots. Um, yeah. So they're our Thundercats. Yeah. Our evil mutants. Now, I, I've also got thoughts about Mumra. Uh, okay. And so I've got a, a sensible suggestion that would be, I think, fitting for the era and yeah. would, would be fitting for what was generally cast in villain roles at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I've got another option that, that's that's only less convincing. I mean, it's doable, but I really like the idea of it. So my mm-hmm. my my sensible suggestion is Stephen Burkoff. Okay. Because he ended up playing lots of villains in, in 80s films. He was in Villain in Octopussy. He's yeah. the kind of classic British thespian who gets to just check his subtlety in a door as a villain. I think he'd love playing Mumra. And I think he'd love playing the kind of hobbled, crippled version in rags yeah. and then being able to go crazy in yeah. the in the big suit. So that's the sensible one. It's like Tim Curry oh, in Legend. Sorry. Because I want, I th- what I think, although this film is going to be cheap, I, th- I think the mutant prosthetics are good. I think they hired Stan Winston and put a lot of money into that. I think the full Mumra in his glory is going to be awesome. However, Stephen Burkov isn't going to be, is going to be too sensible a choice, even if you're hearing. So my second choice and my preferred choice is Bob Hoskins. <laughs> oh, oh. Because he's yes. got the raspy voice. He's done Super Mario Brothers, or he was about to do Super Mario Brothers. He's done Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He's British, yeah. British villain. Yeah. Bob Hoskins as an evil, shitty museum owner who then yeah. falls in a sarcophagus with a hairy love egg and gets emerges wrapped yeah. in bandages. And then yeah. in the finale, in the third act, like Skeletor in Mars Universe, he, he is, his power is released and he's in a full Stan Winston prosthetic suit all muscle and uh, blue. I think Bob Hoskins would be great. I think that would be amazing. I think that would be amazing. But keep, amazing. keep the accent, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cockney, full Cockney. Cockney Mumra. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, brilliant. When Mumra sees his reflection, he kind of shits himself and runs away, which is a bit rubbish for a villain. Yeah. Can he do that? Well, like, gurn every time he sees his reflection? Yeah. Ooh. I th- leave I think leave it <laughs> fuck off I think um, <laughs> when he gets full Mumra you know the full you know the Tim Curry legend I think that looks amazing and they've clearly spent all the budget on that but when he's shit Mumra he's got a red hood on and he's just full of bandages that's, that's really shit I think yeah. that should look really awful like it, yeah. he's, he's got no clothes on and they just wrapped a load of like duct tape around him yeah I think that looks rubbish I think that that just needs to look awful um, yeah, and uh, who's going to be our our female earthbound hero? Who not hero? You know, museum owner who helps the Thundercats retrieve the love eggs from from Mumra. Do, is there a sex scene with Lionel, and it's just like just really inappropriate? Well, here's the thing. So, if we're going with the fact that that Lionel, played by Sylvester Sloan, is actually a teenager in a muscular adult's body. And they hook up with a museum owner who's got a thing for cats. Mm. Um, I think, I think not, there's not a full on sex thing. So I think this is a fan film, but I think, you know, in um, Short Circuit, where it's heavily implied the robot's going to have sex with the female yeah. character, like this, and Howard the Duck as well. That yeah, kind yeah. of just weird territory. There's not, there's no full on, you know, you don't see it mm. go in or anything, but there, there's a real kind of in the air, like, they're gonna do it like this would be weird. Right. About Kim Cattrall. 
yeah. 80s Kim Cattrall, that'd be... Yeah, 80s Kim Cattrall. Kind of, I think, yeah, 80s Kim Cattrall is a good shout. I think we go with that one. That's good. That's a good one. So okay. we've got... Yeah. So we've got Stallone as Lino. Yeah. We've got... Uh, are we doing Bridget Nielsen or Sharon Stone as Chitara? I quite like the idea of Bridget Nielsen because she's massive. Yeah. And really, they've not bothered to do anything with Stallone's height. So we yeah. just stood next to it. Even his massive wig still looks really tiny next to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bill Duke. Bill Duke. Uh, <laughs> Joe Pesci is snarf. Rick Moranis is tiger. <laughs> Yeah, just to just to add a bit more comic kind of relief in because we don't need a you know Stallone didn't want someone else stealing his kind of um <laughs> his his thunder. Um, so then uh, we've got Kim Cattrall as the uh, the love interest and the museum owner. We've got Bob Hoskins as Mumra. Now are we going to do the thing that Masters Universe did and not use the villains from the TV series? Because obviously uh, Masters Universe was in the issue. Uh, where Mattel wanted the film to relaunch it and they wanted new characters. So we only got Beastman. Yeah. So we could keep one of them. Like, I don't know. I, I think Jackalman is a good one to keep. What's, what's he slide? Just a, just yeah. a massive lizard. I, I liked, I liked, well, I liked Slythe. Well, let's, let's do Slythe and let's have DeVito as Slythe. Uh, okay. Because I like the idea, he's the leader of the mutants until Mumra comes in. So he can be like the star screen thing. He gets like re- his nose put out of joint. He's really upset that Mumra yeah. is now the leader. So let's yeah. come up with another two or three. So let's ignore Jackalman, Monkey, and, uh, and Vulture Man and come out yeah. with our own animal based uh, mutants that would have been okay. brand new toys. Um, yeah. My first one is going to be Lobstore, and he's a giant lobster man. <laughs> I like that. Um, I like. Now, at this point, these are just played by stuntmen, really. Um, uh, maybe voiced by people, but they, there's, there's no names involved here. There, there's a stuntman in a costume, and then the, an actor's voice does the voiceover. Um, yeah. And possibly by people who are like cartoon actors, like, uh, cartoon voice actors. So Lobstore is my uh, giant shellfish creature. I'm going to go Waspo. So just a massive insect. He's just like a giant. He's got huge, like, goggles on. Like, yeah. um, like Elton John style glasses, but they're massive goggles. He's got antennas. Yeah. He's wings so he can fly. And just a massive, stingy mm-hmm. tail. And uh, Badger Man. Oh, yes. Yes. A big, furry Badger Man. Brilliant. I think, I think, he, I reckon. Um, He's the one that you can recognise as being an actor. So I think yeah. Waspo and uh, yeah. Lobstor, I think, is just kind of generic voice actors. People like um, Charles yeah. Adler or someone yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I think Badger Man, he's recognisable. He's just basically got a furry kind of costume, but he's painted face like the Thundercats. Yeah. Who could he be? Uh, well, why don't we make yeah. him Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> yeah. He's got the build. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd. And to be clear, um, this did not relaunch the toy line. These toys were hated by children. Oh, absolutely. Because they couldn't play with them. Badger Man was just a big furry thing. And yeah. Wasp just really cumbersome and didn't... Yeah, rubbish. I was going to say, I think as well, what would be really good, like Masters Universe just fucked off some of the main characters. So, you know, as a kid, I remember desperate to see Orko on the big screen. Yeah. Masters Universe. And he, he just fucked him off. And mm. instead, 
we got Gwildor, which was basically Billy Barty. Was it Billy Barty? Yeah. Was just a, a, like a little goblin bloke who yeah. had a magical key. I'm like, as a, even as a kid, I was like, fuck off. Where's yeah. Orko? I want to see Orko. Yeah. So I think we just chuck a character in there who's, who's not in the cartoons or anything. We just invent a new character who's hated by everyone, who's utter shit. Instead of, so yeah, maybe instead of Wily Cat and Wily Kit, we yeah. could have um, Meow Man. Who is um I like the idea that because we've got snarf, yeah. um, which sounds like some kind of affliction. Um, mm. sorry, but we're here to announce that both of us have contracted snarf. Um yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I think um we have a character who's maybe he's the one. So how about the eggs are like furballs that come out of a creature? All right. And so Meow Man is the one that that makes the eggs. They sort of flop out of his body in a fairly disgusting way. Yeah. And he's very um, susceptible to manipulation and peer pressure, therefore adding a lesson for the Kittywinks. So he's actually, when we meet him, he's torn between helping the evil mutants mm. and seeing the good and helping the um, the Thundercats. Um, Corey Feldman? I was thinking Harvey Keitel. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> just... I, I imagine the cast call. We're looking for a Corey Feldman, Harvey Keitel type, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Harvey Keitel in a cat outfit. Um, yeah. Would be perfect. And he, he, he uh, is a method actor. He lived as a cat for a while for that. Yeah. And we know, yeah. you know, f- we know the world wants famous actors dressed as cats. We know they love that. So, um, I mean, plotting aside, they go there, they have to chase around. Um, I like the idea, you know, the was it the Thunder Tank or the whatever it is? I like that they make they make their own one in a garage, like the A-Team, and it's really shit, yeah. but it's yeah, it's made yeah. out of recognisable parts, like an arcade machine and, uh, you know, proper 80s paraphernalia. Um, what I'm focusing on here is not action sequences. I want to focus on the shit fish out of water bull, bull crap. So I want the Thundercats to ride in San Francisco. They ride on a tram um, and they can't work out the tickets. I think there should be a point where uh, they go into the woman's home and Lino asks if, or or one of the characters, maybe Bill Duke, in fact, asks if he can use the toilet and he goes to shit in a tray. And she's like, no. Um, I like the idea that they have to, they decide to get a disguise to blend in and we cut to a trying on clothes montage. Um, and like Lino comes out with those like 3D glasses, you know, the, the white framed yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a yeah, pair of Bermuda shorts. Uh, and they're walking yeah, yeah, around. Yeah. And a commando. Um, yeah. One of my favourite fish out of water moments is in, in Beastmaster 2, mm. where the Beastmaster comes to Monday, uh, Los Angeles, and he's dry, being driven around town in an open top Cadillac. And Beastmaster is actor Mark Singer from V in a pair of furry pants and nothing else. And despite that, he's like double taking when he sees a strip joint. I'm like, you're more naked than they are. Like, why are you surprised by women in underwear? You're walking around in pair of, of furry speedos. So I like the fact that that um, Sylvester Sloan, because he's a horny teenager, keeps wandering into red light districts. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think as well, they go to the strip club and in a, a part of it, 
because obviously we've got you know it's the 80s so Chitara gets yeah. massively sexualized so she goes, I can do that, and then starts doing a twirly stick thing on the stage, just spins around the place. Yeah, but she then starts scratching the pole rather than swinging on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, uh, it cuts to a two two pair of seedy blokes who could be cameos. It could be like Jim Belushi and and some eighties pop star, and they go, well, and they kind of clearly leering at, him, and one of them turns around and goes, "Dude, she's a cat," because all of a sudden it's, it, it's that implicit thing that they know she's a cat, and they know they're the Thundercats. Yeah, know? it's like. It takes away that disbelief, and then it just cuts back mm. to the Moglina, and it's just a really uncomfortable, strange, yeah, scene. Mm. Um, I also want there to be a deleted scene that was cut because it was massively inappropriate of the female character coming in, and they're all licking their own arseholes. <laughs> they're all legs legs display and getting yeah. right in there and having a nuzzle. Um, Can there be a, a bit shit CGI scene where? They go to the Golden Gate Bridge and Lionel goes, I can climb that. And they're like, no, Lionel, you can't. And he starts climbing it, but then he just cuts to him cleaning his studio, just going up the, the, yeah. the side of the bridge, just looking and just kind of like, you know, full concentration on his face. But he looks but, really shit. Oh, that, and that leads to another one where, so basically, um, she then has to, Kim Cattrall has to call the fire brigade. Why? Well, because my... My cat's climbed up something and got and got stuck, and the fire brigade come and it's Lionel, <laughs> Sylvester Sloan in a in an orange wig, <laughs> and they have to carry him down. I I mean this can thing writes itself. Can we also have a thing? You know the the, the sword of omens, mm. where when he flicks it and it kind of it gets yeah. it gets big and it summons the Thundercats. Can it not work on Earth? So every time he he opens it out to try and like extend it, he mm. just ends up like flinging it somewhere and it just gets stuck in a wall or it takes out part of a tram yeah or it just keeps kind of you know rocks about four people and yeah. it just it's just really clumsy it yeah and towards the end it's a work but there's a few kind of hilarious asides when it just comes completely wrong i okay so how about this let's let's add some proper some proper cheese in it so i like that it works on thundera not because of that of the place but because mm. of Jaga. And Jaga represents direction for, for, for Lino. And Lino assumes that the, the Sword of Omens isn't working on Earth um, until Kim Cattrall admits to him that she loves him and then it works and he realises it's about having love in your life that powers it. But that also means we get a, a great erection double entendre where she kisses him and his sword goes... <laughs> Just because I think that would be good. Um, yeah. I, for some reason now, I want the climax of the film to take part at a rock concert. Oh, okay. I in my head, I had it on the roof like Ghostbusters, when it's right. on the roof and he's all like kind of, you know, kind of weird Egyptian stuff and Mumra's floating about. However, we could combine the two. Yeah, because be and Mumra turns up at it or something. Because I like the idea they they. That, that Mumra has, um, he wants to devour people's souls. Mm. And he realizes that the way to do that is by a mass gathering. So he uh, infiltrates a rock concert. Um, and uh, when they all arrive, like the, the, the band that are on, will come out and go, like, rad dude, you're, you, you know, your thread look, look wizard or something or, or ace or whatever the language is um and they go out on stage and everyone's like going crazy and mumra goes out and is like i'm going to destroy your souls and it all goes silent and they all start cheering because they think this is the most heavy metal band ever 
Yeah. And then that's when he turns full Mumra. Yeah. Um, and the music's like rock music's playing and he starts sucking everyone's souls. And that's when the Thundercats appear on a rooftop above. Um, yeah. the, 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 the Thundercat symbol projected into the air and then they go for it. Now, at this point, I'm going to go into my slightly nerdy obsession with musical score because I, one of the things, apart from Snarf and Mumra, one of the things I thought about very carefully, because I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of bombastic musical score. I think Bill Conti's Master of the Universe score is incredible. Um, and so I, I was thinking about who could do the music for this. So I've got a very particular idea about this. And that is, I think, I was thinking, if you listen to the cartoon, the cartoon has moments of, big orchestral stuff but really kind of bombastic like completely unsubtle stuff so my feeling is that the person that would do the musical score is elmer bernstein who did ghostbusters and airplane and a bunch of early okay. westerns and the um uh heavy metal cartoon big bold score but because it's the 80s yeah and because yeah. the thundercats theme had some rock music in it as well i think we do like uh with lethal weapon where michael Kamen it was Michael Kamen and Eric Clapton. So I think we partner up Elm Bernstein with a current okay. rock act. Now, my original feeling was someone like Slash. Okay. But I thought, well, that's a bit too heavy metal. If you actually listen to the Thundercat theme, it's got lots of piano and kind of almost like rock musical stuff. Okay. So then I thought, well, how about Elmer Bernstein and The Who? Yeah. As in 80s, Roger Daltrey and The Who, channeling Pimble Wizard oh, level Who God. in it. So the, the finale isn't done to musical score. It's done to a big operatic who piece of music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and they have a cameo. They're in the crowd who do like a double take when there's fights happening. Um, so I, for me, for me, like the, 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 the concert clears and it's basically like in like a sports arena and there's yeah. all like smoke and dry ice and laser lights and a big projection screen at the back. And then it's Mumra versus Lion O on the on the field uh yeah. mum like you're just a child but obviously in a heavy cockney accent and lino's like not anymore now i'm man and he winks at kim cattrall and kim cattrall looks sheepish because you know it's clear that she let him do her um and then they they have their fight um and when they have their fight it again like mars universe it goes like into silhouette they're just like there's like spotlights on them and the music dies down and it's kind of operatic um yes. Does anyone, does any of the, of the, I think all the villains should escape. They should all cowardly run away. Yeah. Rather than any deaths. Do, do we need to kill a Thundercat off? I think. For dramatic purposes? Yeah, let's kill, um, who can we kill off? Well, Jarg is already dead, isn't he? Because he keeps appearing like an Obi-Wan kind of scenario. Yeah. What about Tigra? Yeah, kill him off. <laughs> Get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, let's kill him off. And I've got an idea as well that I think at the end of it, when they defeat Mumra, I think they defeat him in a really shit way. So, you know, like he gets scared of his own reflection. Mm. I think Lion O, how could we get that in there? He, oh, uh, they, uh, they, they turn a camera on him. Shin yes. Cattrall turns a camera on him and he appears on the big screen. Yes, he does. Of course he does. And yeah, Mumra's really like, cool. no, but a fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! Uh, and, and, like, <laughs> and it's just one of the 80s at the end of it when he kind of runs away and kind of gurns <laughs> and it's yeah. just a shot of him on a and they've clearly put him on a rope or like a, a bungee wire and he just pings mm. back 
like with his cape stuck out, flying out of the stadium, just going fuck yeah. off. And on the on the on the scoreboard <laughs> and on the, on the, on the, on the scoreboard <laughs> <laughs> on the scoreboard, like um it kind of a can of beer opens and goes, Another win for cause light and then it just shows yes. a shot of Lionel having a cause and gurning. Yeah. Um and then so basically while they're here, Meow Man Played by Harvey Keitel has has popped out another couple of love eggs on the stage, and the screen then turns into a portal, and uh, the Thundercats have to return. And there's a tender moment where Kim Cattrall says goodbye to Lion O. Yeah, I think they stay on Earth. I think they realise that they stayed on Earth to do good, and yeah. at the end, they meet the mayor of San Francisco, who's played by I don't know, let's say. Rick Taylor. Yes. Um, and he goes, thanks for saving my city, Thundercats. Gives him the key to the city. And then Lionel turns around to him and says, well, what What? what if, if evil appears again? And he goes, we've got this. And it's basically the Batman symbol, but as a Thundercat. And they just turn it on. And then they, they kind of yeah. get high five and it's freeze frames. Yeah, that's no, much better. That's much better. Um, yeah, I like the fact that Kim Cattrall was hoping they'd go back. So she wouldn't have. She could just forget the fact that she had sex with a cat, part cat, part human person. Part, part cat, part minor. Yeah. Can I? So the the finale, the 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 end credits is obviously who a, a song that the Who specially recorded for the film. Um, and can yeah. um Stallone do a rap in the middle? Yeah, I think that there is it's, it's them playing a gig in like um yeah. what looks like. Um, inside um, a, a pyramid, but they're all dressed like cats. So yeah. Pete Townsend's got a giant cat whiskers. Roger Daltrey's just got massive 80s hair, leather yeah. jacket, and a Thundercat symbol. And yeah. Stallone's in the background, just dancing away, like in his lino costume. Yeah. And then, yeah, he does a rap. And it's it's called the Thunder Rap. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it got to number yeah. 27 in the US charts for one week and then disappeared out. Justice. 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 What lessons have we learned from Cobra? I mean, there's lots, isn't there? I mean, I think store your weapons near your genitals, grenades, handguns, knives. Um, Gun down your front of your trousers, shotguns tucked up your arse. Maybe have a bum bag full yeah. of C4, um, yeah. you know, dynamite in your pockets. Yeah. Yeah. New, nuclear wet, nuclear bomb in, in, in your wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, no one searches there. If they pat you down, no man's going to search your genitals. So pack everything no. in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about drink on the job? Oh, if totally. Beer knocking around, drink it. Yeah, as a police officer, you know, you have certain... Uh, perks to the job and that is just helping yourself to shit wherever you are no matter what's going on just uh if there's alcohol available um grab it you know drink it, drink it. you yeah. can essentially you're allowed to loot is basically what we're saying is if yeah. if chaos is happening natural disaster urban warfare just help yourself to a drink or a tv or the latest yeah. vhs player or betamax player it's the 80s you know whatever you want to do i think as well work on your look so you know, don't dress in a suit and tie or a shirt and tie or a cop uniform. Just make sure you have, you know, cowboy boots, stonewashed denim, 
um, trench coat, leather gloves, constantly wearing massive sunglasses, um, and you know, kind of just tailor that look to just to you know completely fuck off any dress code that you think. Yeah, I mean, um, standard issues for for nerds. Um, yeah. You know, don't have a black and white police car with a siren. Get yourself a drag racer. Um, <laughs> You know, the kind that kind of goes on two wheels and explodes when you drive it too fast. And buy a monster yeah, truck. Monster buy truck. Mon- yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't want to be too woolly on this, but I think Cobra is basically, when we eventually get around to publishing Justice 101, uh, our manual to give advice for seeking justice, I think we might just kind of uh, transcribe the screenplay for Cobra into it somewhere because it's yeah. just packed with useful lessons for fighting justice. When we drop it on the world, you know, it's, it's going to be about 600 pages long. Essentially, oh, yeah. it's our Bible. This is, this, is, this is our letter to the Corinthians. This is, this is yeah, our absolutely. kind of, you know, yeah, right, we, you know, Paul's journey to the Corinthians. This is what well, this is. We hope that in years to come, there will be, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, I want to stay humble with this, but I hope there is entire religions based around it and churches, not around us, <laughs> We're not glory hunters around that worship justice hmm. and the Absolutely. seeking thereof. I think those are reasonable life goals to have. Absolutely. I'm fed up of the people operate above us telling us what to do. So I'm going to go and punch out my employer. Yeah. Because if I've learned anything that that has no consequences, they'll be fine with it. Um, uh, I don't know what you're going to do with your time, Dick. I'm going to, you know, fire an Uzi out the upstairs window for a bit, see what happens, and then I might do some fly tipping. Great. We've got our lives sorted out. All you can do is learn from us. Have a lovely time, everyone, and we'll see you here next week with more shenanigans in the world of action. Mm